Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jamie Dixon. For more great content, visit klcmaine.com. Look me to Joshua chapter 7. Um, and then tonight at 6 o'clock, Valerie McFarland is preaching tonight. That's going to be awesome, so get back in here and tonight's going to, we're going to continue. Um, I, I want to... Um, Hey, where's the slides? Oh, let me let me try that again. Hold on, I'll get out of it and get back into it. Um, I uh, this is the most unprofessional I've ever been in my life. The the uh, there it is. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do this together. I'm just gonna be a couple minutes. Um, I, I wanted to share something. I, I, we've been in this, this conversation from the beginning of the year, praying for 2024. And I heard the Lord say that 2024 is a year of local awakenings led by hometown revivalists that tan, tend to the fa- family, the fire on the family altar. And, and um, you know, the following week, I, I gave that word, and I used the example of, of Jesus ministering his hometown. It said Jesus did not do many miracles in his hometown. One of the things I said then was that that scripture and that experience was not a promise. It was, um, it was a warning. And Jesus did not do many miracles, not because he couldn't or just because he withheld. But Jesus uh, didn't have many opportunities because the familiarity, it was the moment that the people started looking at Jesus saying, Oh wait, don't we know this guy? That all of a sudden, this like spirit of familiarity came on them, and they actually removed themselves from, uh, from, from even the opportunity of Jesus doing miracles. They didn't actually bring their sick. They didn't actually come to hear the gospel. And, and so Jesus did not do many miracles uh, in his hometown. And that's a warning to us. And, and I think the warning is this, is that it would be really easy for me to pick you up and take you to India with me tonight. And you would, I'd, I'd, I'd bring you in and we'd take off our shoes and we'd, we'd have interpreters and all these hungry leaders would come and you'd be completely out of your familiar zone. And you would begin to behave a way that's not normal for you. And you would preach the gospel with boldness and it would be easy because it's India and you're now a missionary. And it would be easy because you're unfamiliar. Your comfort zones have been had been, you know, those walls have been torn down and, and you would start behaving a different way. But if I took you to Walmart tonight at 10 o'clock, you would behave as you always do in the place that you always go. And if I asked you to behave any differently, if I asked you to have a fervency and a zeal and go preach the gospel, you'd have a lot to consider in that moment. And those considerations would be incredibly intimidating and my, my guess is this, is that not many miracles would happen, not because the miracle-working God isn't there with you, but because you would not create many opportunities for Him to work. Is this fair? And one of the things I'm being stirred about um, right now is it's easy for us to send a team. It's easy for us to have a conference. It's easy for us to go off to a place. It's easy. But will there be somebody who will pioneer zeal and consecration in the place where they were born and raised and they are familiar and they've created routine? 
that they would actually break the patterns of their life and they would actually give themselves to an unusual lifestyle in a place where it's become far too usual and comfortable. I, I believe that we are, we are living in the day where God is challenging a people to learn how to actually steward their, the fire of their heart in their family, in their home, in a place where they are well known for their humanity, but they will actually pioneer something in their life and they become well known for the move of the Holy Spirit on their life. And, um, and this is my challenge, Kingdom Life Church, that we would be a local church where you know me. I want people to walk through those doors and go, I've seen that guy in Hannaford. I want them to see our lives and I want to walk through our towns and to be known not because we shop in the same places but because of the fire of the Holy Spirit that's on our lives and is so evident and, and that we've actually lived an absolutely unusual life in a very usual place. Is that okay? And so I, I want to um, talk uh, this morning just very quickly about some of the obstacles for pioneering the fire and tending to the fire in our hearts and, and living a, a wild, abnormal life before the Lord in a very normal place. And I want to talk about disappointments, setbacks, and discouragements. You know, disappointments are so powerful. Um, and and when, I, when I start talking about disappointments, setbacks, and discouragements, I'm honestly not talking about the big things. I'm not. I'm talking about the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. I'm talking about the little things every single day. When the day doesn't go as planned. When, when a, I am put in an unusual situation or something difficult happens or I have a poor interaction with my spouse or my kids um, choose to do what they want, not what I want them to do. When it's hard to get out of the house one morning when the day is started wrong, when the coffee is, is just not right, or when something happens, and I know these are little and they're stupid, but these are, these are absolute reasons that erode our faithfulness to the Lord. Why? Because they war with our affections, they weigh on our hearts, they make simple disciplines harder than they should be, they create excuses for procrastination. They become wet, wet blankets on our fire. And they become little foxes that come to ruin the vineyard. And, there's, and it says, catch for us the foxes. Catch for us the foxes. We, we have to learn actually how to steward a daily real human life. How many of you guys are humans? How many of you guys want to live entirely not human? Unfortunately, you're still human. <laughs> And we're having very real human experiences uh, that we can relate to. And I want to talk this morning about navigating those places in our life. Um, you know, the thing about, you know, disappointments, you know, that's crazy. I, I don't think I've ever found an emotion that's more, uh, become more of a difficult barrier to faithfulness than disappointment. I, I don't think there's a more powerful human experience that can redirect the entire course of our lives as disappointment. There's nothing that opens the door to more damaging emotions, wayward thoughts, and life-changing decisions and disappointment. And I want to I get into some of the ways that we navigate the power of disappointment, discouragements, and setbacks. Go with me to Joshua chapter 7. Let me give you the preface of this. Uh, we have Israel. Israel 
um, has wandered in the desert for 40 years. Uh, God in Joshua 1 says, Moses is dead. Joshua, arise. It's time to go into the promised land. So Joshua pick, gets all of Israel and he says, send out the priests with the Ark of the Covenant. And they step foot in the River Jordan. The River Jordan parts way and the entire nation of Israel crosses into the land of Canaan, the promised land. And they come into the land of Canaan and, and, um, and after a series of events, the manna stops and they start eating the produce of the promised land. And then God says, now I want you to go and war against Jericho. Now Jericho is a fortress, man. And we're talking about a tribe of people that have been wandering in a desert for 40 years. We're not talking about technology that's, you know, created strong steel and armor or military, you know, tactics. We're talking about farmers and survivors. We're talking about pitchforks and sticks and stones. And, and here they come in and they go to Jericho and they look at these fortified walls and military advancements and technology and, and uh, a way of life and system that's going to be incredibly difficult for a group of refugees to war against. And they come up to these walls and God says, don't lay a hand on Jericho, I'm going to lay my hand on Jericho. And he has them march around Jericho for seven days and on the seventh day they lift a shout to the Lord and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. How many of you guys know we're in a good season for the nation of Israel? It's a good time. Waters are parting. We're in the land we've wandered for. We, we are in the land that God covenanted to Abraham. Uh, we're, we're eating the produce of the land. Jericho's walls are falling. We are an unstoppable nation because of God's covenant with Israel. This is a good thing. And then they go up to the next town, Ai. And they send spies and the spies come back and they go, <laughs> it's a suburb, dude. There's like nobody here, very small. Let's just send a portion of our guys, not waste our time. If God gave us Jericho, AI is going to come in the blink of an eye. And they go into AI, and when they go into AI, a small band of men turn Israel on their heels and runs them out of the town, and they lose the battle of AI. This is a wild moment, Right? I love, oh, uh, I didn't go to Joshua 7. Hold on, let me go to Joshua 7. Because uh, I want to read this. It, it's, it's, uh, I, I think one of, my, one of my favorite parts about the Old Testament is just reading myself into the humanity of these men. Um, shoot, come on. In Joshua 7, it, it says... As they lose the battle, Joshua comes back to the Lord. And Joshua tears his, uh, this is what it says. It says, verse 5, And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shebarim, and struck them down uh, on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. The people who are now in the promised land, eating the produce, who have seen God in cloud by day, fire by night, glory on mountains, parting the river Jordan, watching the walls of Jericho fall down, their hearts at one defeat and setback have now melted like water. Wow. Then Joshua tears his clothes, 
falls to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua says, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought the people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. What? This guy's like, what was Jericho? Like a carrot in front of our face? It's like treating God like he's a bully that gave him just a little bit and now he's taking everything from him. And he says, Lord, just take us back to, to, the, to the wandering place. Take us back to the desert. He, he, all of a sudden he's questioning, why am I here? What am I doing? What am I called to do? Why do I do the things that I do? So when we lose sight of the vision, we want to return to the days of my former bondage. Because without vision, we will return to our last season of familiarity. Without vision, we will return back to the last season of our familiarity. You know, I, I think of Elijah. You remember, you remember Elijah had a good day once. Elijah had uh, prophesied a plague, or I mean, I'm sorry, a famine onto Israel, and then the Lord says it's time to end it, and he calls down to fire from heaven, and they destroy the whole, all, all the priests of Baal, and then he prays, and a, a, hand, a cloud forms, and rains start to come, and, um, and, and the, the, the famine is over, and then he tucks his cloak in his belt, and he runs faster than horses and chariots. How I many guys know Elijah was having a good day? A lot of evidence of God's faithfulness and favor on his life. And then a messenger from Jezebel comes along and says, Oh, by the way, uh, Elijah, by the end of the day, Jezebel is going to kill you. I mean, this lady sends a message. I mean, this is like a DM in your inbox from an, a random person you've never met, right? Like, this is nothing. Uh, the dude's running faster than chariots, calling on fire from heaven, and he's scared of a threat from Jezebel through a messenger. And, and what does he do? He runs to a cave and hides as he did during the famine. He runs and he hides. Because without vision, we will return to our last season of familiarity. We will always go backwards. Take me to where... You know, we, we, will, we will forget what the Lord has done. We forget where he's taking us to. We become intimidated. We shrink back and we go, I know how to live there. At least I know how to operate. At least I know how to continue there. And we ask, Lord, take us back. Yesterday's confidence becomes today's confusion. When we host confusion, we immobilize our calling. But Joshua 7, you know, 13 he comes along, and I, this is my favorite, in verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua's groveling. Joshua says, Lord, why did you even bring us here? And then in verse 10, the Lord said, Joshua, get up. Why are you on your face? Um, translated in the Passion Translation, shut up, Joshua. No, I don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that. It just sounds like something the Passion Translation would say. Um, he says, get up, why are you on your face, rubbing your face in the dirt? That's not what this moment is about. And in verse 13, he says, get up and sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow 
Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there's an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And the Lord says, I'm not here for you to plead with me. I have something to accomplish and to do. And what you don't know is that there's a man by the name of Achan. And when I told you to go in and destroy everything, he took gold. Why did he take gold? Because Achan was not looking out for Israel or God's covenant with Israel. Achan was looking out for his household. He was looking out for his family. He goes and he takes some gold. And he goes, I'm going to take a little bit for me because that's, like, it's not a big deal. And, and it will get my family ahead. And my, how many of you guys know we got some Achan inside of us? It's not about his kingdom, it's about my advancement. It's not about his advancement, it's about my comfort. It's not about what you're doing, it's about what I need. And there's these parts of our hearts that are wrestling with the Lord at all times. Saying, Lord, I won't go there, I won't do this, I won't do this, because it's about protecting me and my household and my ways and my thoughts and how I'm living. But God says this, he goes, Joshua... Has something that I want to do, get off your face. And he invites him to repent and return. Because what I am calling a setback or opposition, it's probably actually the Lord confronting my misplaced desire. God is not absent, God is answering my prayer. In Joshua chapter 1, Joshua made a covenant with the Lord to follow all of his statues and ways and to do not fear, but to, and that God would give him every step, a place he puts his, his foot. And Joshua prayed some dangerous prayers to the Lord. And my guess is that maybe you've prayed some dangerous prayers. Lord, here's my life. Do whatever you want. Are you sure? Lord, I want you to use my life for your glory. Are you sure? Set my heart on fire, Lord. God, use me. I'll go where you go. I'll do what you do. And now in my mind, I'm praying this going, stages, stadiums, nations, provision, comfort, take care of me, winning souls, uh, people being pulled out of wheelchairs. Use me for your glory. And he goes, let's go to AI. I want to deal with sin in your heart. And we go, Lord, did you see the setback in opposition? Why did you bring me here just to die? He goes, I didn't bring you here to die. We're going to take land. But I'm answering your prayers that you would become the radiance of my glory. God is too good. Everyone say, God is too good. He's too good. He's so good. He's too good. To allow me to advance in my calling with confusion on how I got there. Why? Because my story is my testimony. And my testimony becomes the lesson plan for the discipleship of those I will influence. Because I've offered my life to raise up others, I'm required to get the rest, right message from my season. My current revelation and process will become the economy to my future calling to make disciples. God is shaping a blueprint through your life. God's creating a blueprint out of your life. Anybody want a prophetic word about your calling and destiny? Right, you ready? Go and make disciples of all nations. If you're looking for a calling, you're looking for your destiny, the prophetic call of God in your life, make disciples where you stand. 
make disciples where you live. And if you're, gonna, if you're called to make disciples, you better have a blueprint that reflects a kingdom blueprint. And the blueprint is the one that he's shaping through your life and your story will become your testimony. You have to extract the right revelation from your season because you're not the first person who's gone through it and you're not the last. And God's going to assign you to somebody that's going to need the revelation on your life so they get through it faster than you did. You are required to get the right revelation out of your season because of the prayers that you prayed. And so the Lord speaks to to Joshua and he goes, sanctify the people. Go deal with this self-centeredness in Achan's camp. The heart of your camp has got some stuff I want to deal with. And then he says this, he goes, now... The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid nor dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and go to Ai and see that I've given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only this time the spoils in the cattles you can take for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. He says this time, just go and have everything, bud. We've dealt with the sin of your heart. We've dealt with the issue in the camp. Go and take everything. When the heart is immoral, the spoils are defiled. But when the heart has been dealt with, the spoils are sanctified. There's some people that are called to create wealth in the earth. And you're wondering, why can't I create wealth in the earth, God? You said I would. I'm telling you right now, in some of the lack and losses of your life, God is dealing with Achan. Because he's going to call you back to the place where you could not get victories. And he call you back and you're actually going to receive wealth this time. Why? Because Achan was dealt with. The more we submit our hearts in the seasons of setback, the greater capacity we have to receive blessing in the days ahead. <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's important to understand is that sometimes setbacks are invitations. They're invitations to deal with something because God wants to make you a good steward. And so he's inviting you to like feast with you and, and, and he wants to like lay out a banqueting table of revelation in the midst of a disappointment, in the midst of a setback. And he goes, I want to eat with you and I want to reveal some stuff to you and I want to show you your heart because I have things that I'm calling you to but I can't trust the condition of your heart with what I'm about to bring. So let's eat here and let me give you revelation so you can make disciples and I can actually expand my kingdom through your life and you can become a steward of breakthrough. You can become a steward of becoming uh, of, of the riches and the wealth and the things I want to release to you. The problem is, is many of us shrink back at setbacks. And we say, take me back to the desert instead of saying, God, reveal to me what I need to know in this time. You've laid out a banqueting table of revelation. Deal with my heart. Go to Exodus 32. I'm going to be really quick. In Exodus 32, Moses is on the mountain. And Moses is, is uh, having encounters with the Lord. He's in the glory. Cloud is shrouding Mount Sinai. God's giving him instruction. He's giving him the law. Uh, two stone tablets engraved with commandments. Dude is psyched, man. He's like pumped to come down from the mountain. The Lord speaks to him on the mountain. And in verse 32, it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come and make gods that we shall go before us. And as for this Moses, the, we don't know where he is. Uh, we, don't, we don't know what's become of him. 
So Aaron says, all right, give me all the gold earrings and your kids and your daughters and, uh, and, and your wives. And all the people broke off all their gold. And Aaron put the gold in the fire and he fashioned a golden calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before. And Aaron made a proclamation saying, tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. And they rose together early the next day and they burnt offerings. So here we have... Um, they have, in the delay of timing, where they are delayed and discouraged by the loss of Moses, they actually create their own idol. I don't care what you call it. But if you build it with your own hands or replace the timing and the wisdom of the Lord with your own strength and resources, it will become a golden calf. You might feel like Aaron, who feels like he it accidentally became an idol, but nonetheless, nonetheless, it is an idol. Aaron, Moses comes down and he, and he confronts Aaron. He goes, what the heck is this? And he goes, I don't know. I, we put gold in the fire and it came out. The funniest moments in scripture. I mean, like, are you like four years old, Aaron? Like, my kids, like, I'll come in and go, there's like flour all over the floor. I'm like, what happened? They go, it just flew out. I don't know what happened, you know. And, and Aaron goes, I don't know. It just came out. Listen. One of the things that, you know, that we have to understand is that in, when, when Israelites encountered God, they would build an altar to him. Because that moment of encounter changed the trajectory of their life and it became a memorial for the entire nation to look back and to see what God did and what set the course of a nation. And it became a hinge point where everything about the trajectory of their life changed the moment they encountered the Lord there. Uh, Jacob was a deceiver. And then he encountered the Lord and he wrestled with God. And he changed his name from deceiver to a prince with God. And he changed his nature and he, and he popped his hip and gave him a limp. And it said that he built an, an altar and he worshiped the Lord there. That became an altar of remembrance where all of Israel would look back to that place and go, that's where deception came off and our, the tra trajectory of our nation was changed where God wrestled with Jacob. But did you know that not only can we build altars when we encounter the Lord, but we could also build altars to our disappointment. Where we actually say out of the disappointment and the hurt and the pain of the things I've been through, of the difficulties and disappointments in life, I actually built an altar there. And instead of following the trajectory of the Lord, I followed the trajectory of my disappointment and I worship the God of my own strength. And I made decisions to go off course from the direction that he had me in and go in the direction of, that I want to go in and the affections of my own heart. The golden calf that came out of the flame was an altar of disappointment. And it had to be confronted and torn down and destroyed. And so many times I'm telling you, like, I'll be in seasons where I'm discouraged or betrayed or hurt or struggling. And I'm telling you right now, I do not trust myself when I am struggling with the affections of my heart. I don't trust myself. So instead of trusting my emotions in a moment, I will go back to the last altar I built to the Lord, the last thing that he said, and I'll build my life from what he said, not how I currently feel. Because, because I have to live from there, I can't live from the here and now. Because if I live from here and now, I'll pull a Joshua and say, take us back to the desert. And I'll start worshiping the God of my own strength instead of putting my eyes on the Lord in the places of disappointment. What's the solution? Presence. 
Moses and the Israelites were discouraged and disappointed by people. I mean, you think about Moses. He's now coming down the mountain going. He's disappointed in the nation of Israel. He's frustrated. And what I find often happens is that when we're disappointed in people, we will, we will often assimilate to the, our disappointments in people instead of grounding ourselves deeper in the things of the Lord. So, it, you know, I've actually watched people that were like on fire and burning and all they want to do is talk about the Lord and nobody else around them are on fire. And often what they would do is instead of like maintaining their fire, they would just become apathetic so they could blend into the people around them because it was easier to become apathetic than it was to live disappointed in the people around you. I've watched people become so disappointed in the, in the integrity of the people around them. And instead of actually like binding their feet to integrity and deepening themselves in devotion to the Lord, they actually like become, they actually just take on the integrity of the people they're disappointed in instead of pioneering a new direction. And what, what Moses does is that Moses doesn't lean into the apathy of Israel. He actually goes back to the presence. And this is where he goes, show me your glory. And the, the pillar comes down. The tent of meeting is established. He talks with God face to face as a man talks with a friend. And all of Israel watches Moses in the glory of the Lord. Because the solution here for disappointment is the presence. Moses didn't draw near to their apathy. He further deepened his personal responsibility to dig into the heart of the Lord. When you approach your problems in your own ability, you see problems and prepare yourself for the worst. But when you go into the pres presence, it reveals issues, but you come out with solutions and prepare for promotion. Because maybe the, your moment of disappointment is actually an invitation to his presence. And we, we have to be a people that know how, like in times of disappointment, on how to actually receive the invitation of the Lord to dig in on the things that he said. To stay faithful before the Lord because disappointment wants to come and he wants, it wants to rob you of what God is doing in a season. Discouragement wants to rob you of what God is doing in a season. Disappointment wants to distract you and bring confusion and set your eyes on other affections. Disappointment and, disapp and discouragement wants to steal the, your faith and belief and expectation of what God said that he would do, that he's going to fall through and do. And sometimes we go through seasons where we're like, why are you delaying? Why are you still waiting? And, and all of a sudden, all of our ministry to the Lord, we withhold it because we're disappointed it's taking too long. And we stop going to the Lord because it's become disappointing. And things aren't changing in my marriage. Things aren't changing in my family. Things aren't changing in my job place. And so we go, ah, I guess I'm going to be done ministering to the Lord. I'm going to be done praying. I'm going to be done doing this. And we actually withhold it. Instead of actually digging in deeper and saying, God, is there any aching in me? God, is there any confusion in me? God, is there any lies that I'm believing? Is there anything going on? Instead of feasting with the Lord in the disappointment, over the disappointment, we often actually just yield ourselves to the disappointment and create an idol to our own strength. Is this making sense? Why don't you guys stand with me? We all right? The Lord wants to raise up a people 
that actually know how to navigate all of the ups and downs in life. And I don't know about you, but I am jealous to become a man who is not actually swayed by good seasons, I'm good, and bad seasons, I'm bad. I want to be a pioneer of his presence, which means that even when it's hard and treacherous seasons, I want to be a man of the presence of the Lord and be so yielded to the Lord that this fire never went out, even though the surrounding environment got cold. I want to be someone that actually is not, my, my faithfulness to the Lord is not dependent on the circumstances and the outcomes around me. But I actually want to set my face like flint on the beauty of Jesus and not let go. And that in all seasons of life, when things get difficult, that my desire for the Lord is reinforced and strengthened in difficult times. I actually, I've always said, I said this since I was a teenager, so if this sounds like something a teenager ever said, it's because I started saying this as a teenager. I want to treat the devil like a dog, the dog he is. And I know that if I, if I give a dog what he wants for poor behavior, he'll continue in poor behavior. But if I give a dog what he doesn't want for poor behavior, he'll stop the poor behavior because he's just looking for my approval. And I want to treat the devil like the dog that he is. And when he comes from my heart, he gets coals on his head. Oh my gosh. Every time I go after Jamie, he just gets more on fire for the things of God. I'm taking my hands off of that man because it only robs hells of his champions every time I come after his family.
we send it over that we would become a people that are unshakable in our pursuit of the Lord. That our lives would become unshakable in our pursuit of the Lord. That our lives would become unshakable in our pursuit of the Lord. God, that you would use our lives for your kingdom's sake. That you would use our lives for your glory. That you would, Father, that you would receive all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, all the worship that you are due. God, I ask you right now, Lord, that you would come and reveal the aching inside of me. Fortify my heart from disappointment. Keep my eyes locked on vision. And let my appetite for your presence never go out, but only increase in hunger and longing, God. Increase. Some of you need to pray that, like that one struck you. You need to pray and say, God, increase my hunger for your presence. Increase my hunger for your presence. And when it gets more difficult, let it only increase my hunger for your presence. And when the days go weird and things happen and setbacks come, Lord, let let my hunger for your presence only increase. Let my hunger for your presence only increase. Lord, we bless you this morning. We honor you and glorify you. May we become pioneers of your presence, God. In Oakland, Maine, Kingdom Life Church, God, that we would be a people guys bless you we're going to have our prayer teams if you need healing in your body uh, if you need prayer and encouragement anything in life come to my left your right if you need prophetic ministry or encouragement come see our prophetic teams uh, to uh, your left and uh, back here tonight at six o'clock with valerie pray for me as i fly up to india we love you guys have a great day